0: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for worshiping with us, whether in person, through live stream, podcast, or sermon by phone. Trinity's weekly sermon is now available to listen to on your phone. Call the toll free number listed in the bulletin. The recording is about 15 minutes and is updated each Sunday. There's no fee to listen, and if you don't have a computer, this is a great way to easily hear the Sunday sermon. For more information, please contact the office. Today, the service is under the leadership of Reverend Dr. Andrew Richardson. Andrew is a former minister of Trinity and is now the minister of vocation for the United Church of Canada's Atlantic region, which includes Fundy St. Lawrence Donning Waters, Region 15, and First Dawn Eastern Edge Regional Councils. Welcome, Andrew. Rev. Rachel Campbell will be back in the office on Wednesday. A copy of the bulletin can be found on Trinity's website, trinitysummerside.ca, or available by contacting the church office. Please review the bulletin for the activities of the life and work of Trinity as we move back into the many activities here at Trinity. Offering plates will continue to be available at the entrances, or please check the bulletin for other ways to give please contact the church office for assistance. Junior Church will return for their next session next Sunday, January 15th. This session runs from January 15th to February 19th. Transfer of membership. If you're interested in transferring your membership to Trinity Summerside, please contact the office and Wendy, our office administrator, will aid you in the process. Food boxes are always in demand. Please consider including a few items when you're doing your weekly shopping. A list of items required is available on the Trinity website. It is as simple as donating an item each Sunday. Boxes are available to receive these donations at each entrance. We acknowledge that the land upon which we gather is unceded Mi'kmaq territory, Epiquit, Prince Edward Island, is covered by the historic treaties of peace and friendship. We pay our respects to the indigenous Mi'kmaq people who have occupied this island for over 12,000 years, past, present, and future. (laughs)
1: How's that, Troy? Better. Better. (laughs) There we go. I'm all tied up. On this Epiphany Sunday, we remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. If you'd stand and join in our introit. in the call to worship. Friends, arise, shine, for your light has come. Lift up your eyes and look around. Come, let us worship the God of light and peace. Join me in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord of all things bright and beautiful, may we begin this day in your name. Light of all light, our dayspring of hope, may we find warm reflections of your countenance in the face of each brother, sister, stranger, and friend. And as we work for your world this day, May our hunger be for justice and our thirst for peace. Feed us with your presence. Strengthen our hearts and steady our hands for the business of loving your creation. And as children of the light, may we walk in the radiance of this day. And we continue to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thank you. Epiphany, we remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, not the light of the Jewish people, not the light of Christians, but the light of the world. And so our texts, um, in one way or another, pick that theme up. And we begin with a passage from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 1 to 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and God's glory will appear over you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. And then, then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you, and a multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those that come from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. When Matthew was writing his gospel, he had that passage from Isaiah in mind as part of the backdrop for the story of Jesus' birth. And one of the things that we ought to remind ourselves when we encounter the familiar story of the wise men, one of them is a couple of things. One is, um, in Matthew's version, there is no stable. So in this story, in Matthew's account, he, Jesus is born in a, a house, a dwelling. And it's not till several several months after Jesus' birth that the wise men finally come. And even though we put everybody together in the nativity scene all at the same time, um, Matthew uh, separates them. And you're going to hear echoes of that um, Isaiah text in this story. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. Now when King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. And When they heard the king They set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having, warned in a, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Friends, may this be gospel among us today. Thanks be to God. Amen. let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may our reflections on Scripture today challenge us and comfort us, and may they bring us a new understanding and a renewed commitment to live out the gospel in our lives. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have heard... Um, this past week that January the 6th was Orthodox Christmas. And so in places like the Ukraine and in Russia, uh, they were celebrating Christmas. In the Western Church, so that's all the rest of us, um, January the 6th is Epiphany. And so the Sunday nearest to January 6th, we celebrate the Feast of Epiphany. In lots of churches, they would have a service on Wednesday. Um, For Protestants, we like our Sunday worship, and so here we are celebrating Epiphany. And at the simplest level, at Epiphany, Christians celebrate the appearance of the Magi from the East, led by a mysterious star, to that place where Jesus was born. Now this is a story that we love. It's familiar to us, it's comforting to us. So much so that our houses have nativity scenes with little plastic wise men huddled around the manger. And what parent has engushed with pride watching Their children play the part of a shepherd in a bathrobe or an angel with a coat hanger halo or one of the wise men in a tinfoil crown. But friends, sentimentality is often the greatest enemy of hearing the gospel. And our domestication of this story, our over-familiarization with it, can often hinder us from the power of these familiar words. The poet Mary Oliver, in her poem, Instructions for Living a Life, has words that I think that can help us this morning to uncover a deeper truth in this story. In a line from that poem, she says, Instructions for living a life. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Now the Magi were clearly people who paid attention. We don't know how many of them there were. Matthew doesn't actually tell us there were three. That's an extra biblical tradition that developed later. But one of the extraordinary things about this story is that only these people, these magi, showed up at Jesus' doorstep on that first epiphany. When we think about it, if this star shone so boldly in the sky, the magi couldn't have been the only ones to have seen it. It must have been a very public phenomenon. But the magi were not the only ones to have seen the star, but they were just the only ones wise enough to follow it. Why didn't the wise scribes in Herod's court who had access to the ancient scriptures who were learned and wise, who had spent their whole lives studying, who counseled the king day and night on politics and the business of ruling, who had their own eyes in the skies Why didn't they see something up there and try to understand it? It told these foreigners something, but not the local preachers and priests. Most people, it seemed, missed it entirely. So what makes some people see a star... And immediately pack their bags and head across the desert for Bethlehem looking for a savior. Why is it that some people can see the brightest light of light of all lights shining in the star in the sky and be torn from their ordinary humdrum existence and be driven to go and look for something they truly believe is so important that it will change their lives and change the world and yet others in fact most people will see the same star on the same night in the same way and look up and say well that was nice now let's go back inside and catch the start of the next season of Yellowstone Epiphany Helps us to recall that our world is not bereft of God's presence. God leaves hints and signs, a trail to be discovered by those who seek to pursue the holy in the midst of life, to those who pay attention. Now, certainly. Signs of God are not always easy to discern. For some reason, God has not chosen to lay out a media campaign designed to splash a brand or a logo or a hashtag or a tagline or jingle across our world. But revelations of the Holy One are present all around us. And most often, in unexpected places. In the simplest actions. In the oddest of people. The magi pay attention. They are faithful inquirers, using all means at their disposal to follow that guiding star, seeking this new king. But their own endeavors can only get them so far. Once in Jerusalem, they pay attention to the revelation of Scripture, and they are diligent in following where the star is leading them, even when that goes against their expectations. And they are led beyond Jerusalem, where they would expect to find a king. They are led out through the gates, and into the backwater little town of Bethlehem. And so the epiphany story is about how God is not found at the center of power, but at the margins. Not in the certainty of cultural and religious safety and conformity, but beyond the boundaries where new relationships and discoveries are made where the elite bow down and kneel before a small child, and where refugees on the move will soon need to flee for their lives. And it's a reminder that when we do pay attention, we're often paying attention to the wrong things, to the wrong places, to the wrong people. So how might we pay attention? Well, Epiphany calls us to be faithful in our following, in our seeking after the light and goodness of Christ. To be open to looking beyond our often rigid boundaries of our lives and our experiences and our expectations. Our expectations of ourselves and of others and of God and of politics We're called to seek encounters with those who seem to be other to us. Because Matthew, in his framing of this story, reminds us it is with the other, the foreigner, the outcast, that we will come to find and know God. We need then to pay attention to the marginal places And the people that we find there. Because that is where we will find God. Now the Magi paid attention, but they were also astonished. And Matthew tells us that the Magi were overwhelmed with joy when they reached their destination, the place where Jesus is. And they were astonished, they were amazed, they were shocked. And their first response on seeing the child is to simply fall to their knees and to worship him, a little baby. And they allow the truth of what they see to wash over them and to transform them and to delight them. These seekers and inquirers on a pilgrimage have now become worshipers. The very name of the day reminds us of this. Epiphany. Epiphany means revelation. About It is about being astonished. It's an unexpected moment or an unexpected experience that makes us see and understand things in a completely new and different way. An epiphany will become a touchstone moment that will guide and shape our lives from that moment on. When we have these moments of revelation, we focus ourselves with rapt attention and we're amazed and we cannot help but do things differently. And when those revelations are about an encounter with the divine, we are connected to the deepest mystery of God. And so that's what we celebrate today, that deepest mystery, God's revelation to the world in Jesus Christ, born as a humble, (coughs) excuse me, vulnerable child in an out-of-the-way place. God with us. God with us always in our ordinary lives through the miracle of incarnation. And that truth left the Magi altered. It left them transformed, transfigured. They were not the same people after having experienced it. And so having paid attention to the signs, they were led to the place where Jesus was, and it was luminous and transformative. And we're told at the end of the story that they did not return to their homes by the same road that they had traveled to Palestine. That's not just a literal description, it's a metaphor. The way was changed. They were changed by this encounter with the incarnated Christ. I always think that one of the great examples of this sort of astonishment is St. Augustine. Augustine was born in North Africa and rejected the Christian life taught to him by his pious mother, Monica. He took more than one mistress. He fathered at least one child outside of marriage, and he dabbled in a variety of philosophical systems. And then in 386 AD, Augustine came under the influence of the preaching of Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan. And the moment of his dramatic conversion came in a garden, And is recounted in his famous book, Confessions, which he wrote 10 years later, he said, I snatched the Bible up and I opened it and in silence read the paragraph on which my eyes first fell. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh fulfill the lusts thereof. And Augustine says, I wanted to read no further, nor did I need to. For instantly, as the sentence ended, there was infused in my heart something like the light of full certainty. And all the gloom of doubt vanished away. And at the age of 33, his life was changed forever. And he went from being a self-indulgent, selfish individual to one of the great figures of Western Christianity. And so during Epiphany, we discover that paying homage to Jesus leaves us different. And we cannot return to the same place to do the same things in the same way. Augustine learned as did Abraham and Jacob and Moses and Peter and Paul before him, and you and I after him, that an encounter with God leaves us astounded and altered. So how are you astonished? As you practice paying attention, be open to the wonder and beauty and mystery of God in all that you encounter And allow yourself to be transformed. Well, finally, the Magi are so astonished that they cannot help but tell about what they see. And they tell by offering gifts. Gifts that affirm the identity of the one that they have found. Gold for a king. Incense for Jesus' holy, priestly identity, and myrrh for his sacrificial offering of love for the world. This truly is the king that they were seeking. And these gifts tell those gathered that this baby is the holy son of God, the suffering servant who will give his life for all. And then further, These men, these wise men, defy Herod's instructions. They don't tell Herod what they see. But by their actions, they tell the world where true power lies. Here in this out of the way place, in this tiny child. Jesus, the infant, is to be obeyed and Herod is to be ignored. See, this is where God is to be found, they say. And they boldly disobey Herod and return home by another route. So how are you going to tell about about it? Will you tell of God's love and revelation to you by how you give your gifts? What do you have? That only you can share with the world. Be generous in giving the gift of yourself and show the world your love for God by the paths that you choose to follow, by the way that you live your life. I've always loved Wesley's adage where he says, Tell the world all about Jesus and if necessary, use words. Allow the Epiphany story to change you so that you also may go a different way and see your life as touched by the light of God and allow yourself to be that life, a gift for our world. And so, friends, on Epiphany, we are invited to pay attention be astonished, and to tell about this gift, too, in our lives of loving, humble service. God invites us this day to pay attention, to be where the light is, to follow faithfully, and in God's revelation of the incarnation of Christ, come to be with us. God shows us who God is, and God shows us who we are, in God's light. And our response can only to be astonished and amazed and to bow down and to worship as well. Transformed by that encounter and that revelation, we cannot help ourselves from telling others about it by our words and by our actions. And as we respond to to God's light, we become witnesses to God's revelation signposts of God's love for others. The star that might well point another towards Christ's love and compassion. And so friends, pay attention to all that God wishes to reveal to you of God's love and wonder. In the child, in the person of Jesus Christ, be astonished And tell all you discover to the world with boldness and with confidence. Be Christ's light and love for all whom you encounter. And may we heed the call of Isaiah, who cries out to us, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Friends, thanks be to God. Amen. Sharon's going to share our minute for mission this morning.
2: Good morning. This morning as I was, well, not this morning, this week as I was preparing our minute for mission message, uh, my mind wandered to several things. Uh, so I hope that you will bear with me as I try to pull them together. When thinking of Epiphany, which is the day when we celebrate the wise men arriving at the manger with their gifts for the Savior, I was reminded of a question that I heard before Christmas. What if the three wise men had been three wise women? And without wanting to detract anything from the biblical story, the answer was, they would have asked for directions and arrived on time, possibly to help with the birth. They would have cleaned the stable, prepared a casserole, and brought practical gifts. (laughs) And then from there, the idea of the gifts. My mind wandered to another story I heard a long time ago, a story about an old man walking along a beach. It was low tide, and there were hundreds if not thousands of starfish which had washed up on the beach. In the distance he saw what looked like someone dancing and he proceeded along and as he got closer he realized it was a little boy who was bending over, picking up a starfish and throwing it back into the water, bending over, picking another one up and throwing it back into the water. The old man approached him and said, young man, what are you doing? There are thousands here. What difference do you think one starfish is going to make, throwing them back. The little boy quietly leaned over, picked up a starfish, threw it in the water and said, it made a difference to that one. Practical gifts, the gift of life. Hundreds and thousands of starfish on the beach then my mind wandered to hundreds and thousands and millions of people in the world who were suffering, who were living in hunger in poverty, in dangerous life situations. And I thought of our gifts to m and which go around the world to help all of these people. So bringing all of my idle thoughts together, please never doubt that your gift to m s will make a difference in someone's life.
1: Thank you, Sharon. Every Sunday when we gather for worship, we are reminded of the graciousness of God. And we are given an opportunity to return to God The gift of our lives, the gift of our time, our talents, and our possessions. And you've already done that with the plate at the back of the church. And so we dedicate these gifts to God's service and to God's glory. Let us pray for ourselves and for the whole people of God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, on this Epiphany Sunday, we celebrate your presence in the world, the way that you have revealed your goodness and your grace and your compassion and your justice to us in so many ways. We give thanks for those moments. That are our epiphanies, our Epiphany star. Moments of silence, where we can be deep in prayer. Moments of hearing and reading a scripture story, in a hear it in a new way that challenges us, our understanding. Being out in the natural world and seeing the beauty of the things that you have created for us and being moved by it. The wisdom of a friend or a grandparent or a mother or father or a partner. The love and care of those who support us during times of need. An encounter with a homeless person. May all of these things and more Change our lives. May we be astonished. May we pay attention to them so that our lives might be fully opened to your revelation. That we might be transformed not into just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Gracious and loving God, we gather in this place with mixed emotions, some are joyful, some are coming out of a wonderful Christmas time with family and friends and lovely meals gathered around their tables at home. For others, the season has been a drudgery or even a dread, a time of loneliness and isolation, a time of want. For some, they're remembering people who used to be at their table, but who are now past. And so we ask you to bless our celebrations, our joys, and care for us in our worries and our anxieties, in our grief, in our loss. And we pray for our world, which a time seems broken beyond repair. As Ukrainians and Russians celebrated Orthodox Christmas this week, we pray that you will be a revelation to them that they might end their warring ways and find the difficult road to peace. We pray for those folks for whom housing is an issue for the homeless people living in our parks and in our shelters. We pray for a just world, and we pray that you might lead us to be part of it. Gracious and loving God, hear now in a moment of silence our own prayers, speaking of the things that we need in our lives today. And so, gracious one, star in the east light of the world, hear our prayers and give us those things that we need in our daily lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, may the angels of light glisten for us this day. May the sparks of God's beauty in the
3: eyes of those we
1: love. May the universe be on fire with presence for us this day. May the new
3: sun's rising grace us with
1: gratitude. Friends, let Earth's greenness shine and its waters rise with the spirit. And may the mighty angels of light glisten in all things this day. May they
3: summon us to reverence.
1: May they call us to life. And may God, who is creator, sustainer, and redeemer, be with us this day and forevermore. Amen.